Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> how are you doing? Good. Uh, how many of you were here? Well, I, I asked you this question. I don't want you to lie. But uh, how many of you were here last week? Okay, a number of you, you got to hear from a good friend of mine, Mark Clark. Doesn't he have energy, and isn't he just a little bit crazy? And uh, I, I like that thing about when his wife asked him if she died, who he'd marry, and he had an answer right then. And I'm like, he should never do marriage counseling. I mean, he, uh, but Mark is a, a good friend, uh, crazy, intense, and it's been fun for me to hear uh, the guest speakers we've had uh, the last few weeks and really how God has spoken words of hope uh, through the holidays. I was down in L.A. and had the opportunity working with a great church down there uh, and realized, you know, especially in L.A., our area as well, uh, that people sometimes uh, don't get uh, why people are so excited this time of year because, uh, you know, they might come from different places and different cultures. Uh, but we all know that this has been absolutely incredible uh, because uh, Star Wars opened a couple days ago, Right. Yeah. Uh, any of you see Star Wars? Oh, a lot of you didn't. That's great. I'll just tell you what happened. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't do that to you. But uh, it's sort of crazy how some people, you know, you know, some people hear that and uh, maybe from very conservative religious background, and they'll be, well, you know, like, hey, that's, you know, demonic, like Yoda is like Satan. And I'm like, he's not real. It's just like Santa Barbara isn't a real city, you know? <laughs> be careful. There's kids around here. Anyway, so, and then there's other people who take a little bit too far. By the way, I know some people in our church. I've seen them at the Star Wars movies before, and they look a little bit crazy. Like, you see these people who are at the movies like this? Uh, yeah, they're, uh, hey, you, we'll go a little slower on that. That's a great one. We got the, uh, the dog there. Or this is on a budget. Yeah, yeah, and then, of course, this group of people looks really weird. Yeah, that's our campus pastors, if you don't know who they are. Uh, seriously, of course, when we celebrate Christmas uh, next week, uh, I hope that you are making plans, making plans not only to come to one of our services, uh, but to uh, bring a friend. It's one of those times of year where people will come to church, and the whole service is uh, going to be something that I think you'll get a lot out of, and if your friends don't have any religious background, I think they'll get a lot out of uh, as well as we celebrate that incredible miracle of hope. Well, as we look at that uh, miracle of hope, uh, let's go to Matthew 1, starting verse 21. And, and I want to get to uh, something that seems so very, very simple, yet the core message around Christmas. As, uh, as the angels uh, talk about what's going to happen... Uh, we read this. In fact, we're going to do something we haven't done for a long time. I know this is going to put some of you out of your comfort zone. 
But hey, Mark spoke last week. You're already out of your comfort zone. So the, uh, uh, let's read out loud together. Can you do that with me? Ready? Now, don't leave me hanging like you usually do. So come on. Uh, ready? Use your outdoor voice, I guess. But some of you don't scream because that's weird too. Okay, ready, set, read. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And will you underline that last sentence? And that, that's such a simple point, but it's the main point of what we're gonna talk about today, especially as we see what is the impact of that hope relationally and for how I relate to other people. And the main point is very simple, is that Jesus is uh, the only savior. The only savior is Jesus. That, that that's one, God's provision. And hey, this is, the week before, this is the week before Christmas Eve when everyone's coming, so you're like, you know, hey, you know you're coming next week, you came this week. I know we're talking to the Marine Corps of faith here. But it is the main uh, point. In fact, it reminds me of a story I, I, I shared uh, before my mom passed away. My mom passed away in June. Uh, she lived in an assisted living center, uh, and uh, she would be there, and she would uh, introduce me to all her friends. In fact, uh, like I said, I have to admit, I think I was really the most popular guy in the dementia unit, and, uh, <laughs> and I was. Uh, people really liked me. My mom, uh, she was great. She was always looking for that opportunity. She was a connector of people, and she was proud of me, and she'd say, hey, this is my son. He's a pastor, and uh, Ben, this is Carl. He thinks he's Jesus. You two should have a lot in common, <laughs> and, uh, and my point is, is that it's not mentally healthy to think you're the savior. That we take a job that you cannot fulfill, that you'll, you'll be crushed under, and it won't help other people as well. And so, so we have, we're talking this week about my hope, or God's hope, for my need to fix people. And see, sometimes this fixing, it's we take on that savior role. And so I'm going to differentiate between compassion and love and that need we have sometimes to fix people. And by the way, you're going to be around relatives during the holidays, some of you, right? They need fixing. You know that. But my, my, uh, my point here is that God has a higher calling for you. God has a higher calling for you with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers. And that's that you can fully be engaged and have fun and love them. And if there's fixing, if there's salvation that needs to take place, God's got that covered. He really, and you can rest in that. And you can have a lot more fun this holiday and in the new year, even when life is radically imperfect. So, so why do we have this fixation on fixing people? You know, we want to, because we, we're like that, right? We can be that. We can see how everyone else can live their lives better. Well, one reason, and if you're uh, taking notes, is genuine concern. And uh, now, I did a lot of research, not only biblically, but uh, as I was reading uh, some journals of psychology on this phenomenon, and now this one wasn't included in the, the secular research. Uh, it was almost all negative. But I think there is a positive where we have genuine concern for people and we sort of want to fix things. But the problem is, 
is we can have the right heart and the wrong actions. And nobody feels the impact of your intent. They only feel the impact of your actions. And so what will happen is we, we know what we want, but on the other end of that genuine concern can feel like something else. And really it's one of these other three things that are a little less positive. Uh, second is hidden pride. Oftentimes we want to fix people because we believe uh, we know better, we think better, or simply we are better. And we may have a clear vantage point, but it doesn't mean that, that's, that, that we're in a different place. The Bible says this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means everybody needs a Savior. And then there's fear projection. This is a big one, and I'm going to talk a little bit from a parenting perspective, but from any... Now, psychologists write a lot about this, that a lot of fixing people is actually based in, uh, in our fear projection, in the things that we are afraid of or the unmanageables in our life that we want fixed, and we want uh, sort of hoist that on other people so we feel like life uh, might work out better for us. Now, uh, we all have our fears, we have, you know, people who are fear of the, afraid of the dark, afraid of heights. Anyone afraid of heights? Anyone, uh, anyone afraid of, uh, you know, uh, well, I won't, all your fears. There can be, you know, in the water, we have that fear. I had a, a little fear, my older brother, when we were in a pool, little kids. Uh, he's, he was older, and I was in the water just learning to swim, and he thought it would be funny to keep pushing me away from the edge. And so I, I kept on going under the water. And so I have fear of water. And then finally, uh, I got a hold of him and broke his finger. <laughs> and I feel bad about that. Not, not even to this day. I <laughs> taught him, I'll tell you what, he's 54 and he doesn't mess with me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Did I mention I'm from Lakewood? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so one of my greatest fears it came to realize when my wife and my daughters, they took me to something called Soul Cycle. Any of you ever done Soul Cycle? Okay, not, okay, a couple of you, yeah. Uh, any of you ever heard of Soul Cycle? Soul Cycle, it's this like this super expensive hipster thing for the super fit. All of the things I'm not. <laughs> and so, I'm, so, so we're going to this uh, soul cycle thing. And, and one, is every, it's like this incredible fashion show. It's uh, like, yeah, like 28 bucks a class. And my frugality, this, you know, but I love my daughters. And I love my wife. And so I'm like, hey, I'm going to soul cycle. I'm going to become one with the people today. And so as I was uh, there, uh, one of the, if you haven't been there, they actually uh, will put you, they have like 60 bikes there, and the people with greater ability are on the lower number bikes. And so people will actually Instagram, at SoulCycle, bike number five, see, look at me. <laughs> and uh, I was bike 59. <laughs> I'm not, I can't even make this stuff up. <laughs> They didn't have a lot of hope for me, evidently. And it was a mixture of all the, it was like a little bit of aerobics, a little bit of dancing, a little bit of every, fortunately, it included some, some spin, and I could actually do that. And uh, it, but then, at the end of it, I, I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. 
I'm there in back, bike 59. And it wasn't that bad. And so now uh, I've decided, you know, although pastoring has been fun, I'm going to become a soul cycle instructor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in fact, if I die and wake up at Soul Cycle, it means I went to hell. That's what it means. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's, there, the, the, the truth is our fears can cause us to try to... I haven't been preaching for a while, so excuse me, you know. Uh, the, to, to hoist those on other people, it comes down to number four, need to control. Um, now, some of you are like, I'm a parent. It's my job to control things because I have these little blessings and they need direction. They need a parent. They need an authority. But ultimately, control is not what they need. And so I was thinking about this and uh, about uh, how do I really talk about this in a way that's honest and I thought, well, to keep me honest, uh, I'm going to have someone uh, join me for uh, part of this message who has been uh, really the recipient of some of my efforts to fix people. Uh, she's uh, a senior at Southeastern University, uh, was with the leadership college at our church, and uh, is my daughter, Abby. Can you give her a hand? Now, Abby uh, uh, just, just flew in from uh, Tampa, Florida, and so she uh, said, hey, Dad, I will totally do uh, this today. But I have to be honest with you, I'm a little bit frightened at what she might say today. Well, uh, I just wanted to come here and set the record straight. The first thing I want to set the record straight about <laughs> is SoulCycle is awesome. Do not listen to him and sign up for a class. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as we're looking at this, we, we were talking about what are some of the good passages that talk about people who are, are fixers, because I think we both uh, have that tendency. Though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm a fixer, and so I just wanted to talk about a couple of verses um, that are frustrating for people like me who are fixers, and this uh, first one is Matthew 7, 3 through 5, and it says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And um, so this verse is talking about a couple things. I mean, it's like, okay, how are we? It's pointing out people's sin, but it's actually talking about a couple things. Um, like, as, like, I think one of them is, is how we can become blinded to, uh, to our own faults in the midst of trying uh, to, to fix people. Yeah, absolutely. I remember a time when I was in the car with my mom as a kid, and this is just proof that I was born a fixer, and she was talking about this first. And I was so angry about this verse, and mm. I mean, if that's not proof, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it's sort of funny, as we were preparing this message, uh, uh, we came across this one, which is good, because Abby is uh, uh, 
Uh, she's the older sister, and I think that one. So why don't you read that one? Yeah, this next one, it comes from Luke 10, and it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what she said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. He said, Martha, Martha, um, you are not, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will, be not, and it will not be taken away from her. And, and he's, what, he's basically saying uh, a couple things in there. there. One, probably not to worry so much, right? Yeah, don't worry about what the people around you are doing. Yeah, and also that he's got it for other people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the other thing is, is don't try and fix your sister, which... <laughs> I'm still trying to fix my sister. <laughs> well, as we look at fixing, like fixing, fixing, uh, one of the, then this is one I've said before uh, and really has changed my life. It actually comes from Rick, Rick Warren, a great author, I didn't think of it, is one, practice the principle of uh, relaxed concern. And uh, what, he, what Jesus does is he points out almost a ridiculous example uh, of that. He says, consider the ravens, they don't reap and sow and they don't have a barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are, you, valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? And uh, I think, who do you think you got that you're worrying from the most, your mom or your dad? My mom, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. She's sitting in the front row, so I don't know if that really yeah. was the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Your allowance just went up. So she doesn't get allowance anymore, though. But they, anyway. Well, I should. <laughs> but, but, but the funny thing is, uh, so uh, with, with that, that oftentimes we can get this image, and I think social media plays a part in that. Absolutely. Uh, too. Uh, that... You know, how would you say, is that an increaser or a decreaser for anxiety? Absolutely, it's an increaser because you're worrying about not only the people who are currently in your life, but then you go back and follow all these people on Instagram that were in your life 10 years ago, and now you're worrying about them and the future as well. Yeah, and that's, and that's just not a way to live uh, that's really uh, healthy. One way that is, though, is, uh, is when you, uh, number two, you connect before you correct. Yeah, and my dad's actually a really great example of this. Um, when I was in high school, I had just a huge long season where I was just struggling with friends. And every Friday night when I didn't have friends to hang out with, my dad would take me out. And a place that we frequented was the Cheesecake Factory where he would order crab cakes and cheesecake Sometimes the order would uh, switch up to it was cheesecake first, but... Uh, <laughs> you just never know what might happen. The Lord could return. <laughs> but um, during those times, we wouldn't always sit there and, and talk about my problems and talk about what I was dealing with. And instead of crying into my pasta, sometimes I would be filled with laughter talking about all the great things that God has done. 
We haven't always agreed on everything, though, have we? No, I think one of the biggest things that we uh, disagree on is um, getting tattoos. And, and I, I got to tell you, maybe you've never seen mine. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. You are never too old to be embarrassed by your parents. <laughs> but anyway, I was about to turn 18 and... <laughs> I really wanted a tattoo, like the Lord was telling me exactly what I needed, and my dad kept throwing the, well, what about when you get a job someday? And I would be like, well, I don't want to work somewhere where I can't have a tattoo anyway. But he eventually, after lots and lots and lots of conversation, allowed me to get a tattoo. And by the way, if there's any students here, don't, don't do what I did. Like, listen to your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what was, what was the, well, I think it would be interesting, uh, what was the tattoo? And this is what sort of... Uh... Yeah, I actually um, got a tattoo. Well, so some friends and I <laughs> went up to Canada, and I got this tattoo on my back. So employers, pretty good. Um, and it's of the verse, uh, Romans 8.18. It says, the pain that you are feeling can't compare to the joy that is coming. Which is pretty good because I was just going to get the words Justin Bieber completely across <laughs> my back at the time. So it's good that I had his input. But, but it's, it's sort of funny that it was just hard for me to see what God was doing because it was different. And how I wanted to fix, I think it was more uh, that control uh, in that point. And, yeah, and, and really just saying, okay, uh, yeah. And I think because we had a relationship, we could disagree pretty profoundly and still yeah. have a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And even if I disagreed with my dad and he disagreed with me, we would still listen to each other. And I mean, we still do listen to each other. And I think that I have learned a ton from my disagreements with my dad. And mm -hmm. maybe he's learned a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, the, it says in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And that's talking about those times when those conversations are hard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was actually just talking to my mom about this this week. I, we were just talking about friends and boys and whatever. And she was talking about how it's so important to have those people in your life even, I mean, from the smallest of things like, oh, hey, you got something in your teeth to like, hey, like, you're not treating people very well. And when it's from someone that is coming at it from a place of love, it's so much easier to uh, respond positively to that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things, uh, and I think I've talked about this before too, is number three is recognize where you're helping is hurt. And that'll, that'll keep you from becoming uh, such a fixer. I remember uh, early on, uh, I would do that and, and have to even talk to you and your sister and say where maybe we hadn't parented in a, in a way that was uh, maybe too controlling or where we haven't given our input enough. And I love what the Bible, that redemption we see, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may uh, be healed. And I think I've gotten a little bit better about uh, just as you're older and you're an adult, now you're going to graduate from college, about, you know, you making your own decisions. Yeah, I think that my parents are very constructive and creative, especially as I've gotten older with 
um, the way that they teach me things, and I think financially is, is, a, huge, is a huge way that they are creative. Um, and one of those <laughs> things is when I buy my flights home, I live in Tampa, so the flight is very long and pretty expensive, and what my dad will do, what he started to do, instead of just buying my flight for me, he'll give me the money, which I'm very grateful for, for the direct flight, and there's only one direct flight, it's a little bit more expensive, but then he points out other flights that might have a layover, but are a little bit cheaper, and he says, Half the price. Yeah. yeah, and he <laughs> says, here's the money, buy whatever flight you want, and sometimes, you know, I'll be sitting in the Denver airport for six hours in the middle of the night. And uh, yesterday when I flew, wow, flew home, I was on the direct flight for yeah. sure. <laughs> but that, that's important about uh, not trying to control other people. And what yeah. uh, you have one, I almost used your name, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but you, your, your friend who who I liked and, and you liked from your freshman year of college, I think you learned a lesson that way as well. Yeah, you? so my freshman year of college, um, I, we were just kind of forming a friend group. You know how it is. You're all living in the dorms, and you don't really know anyone, and you're just kind of pulling people together to hang out with. But I actually formed a pretty close group of friends, and uh, one of my friends, she was just determined to make really bad decisions. And the closer I got to this friend, um, and I learned about some of the pain in her past that was influencing the decisions she was making now, I, I wanted to fix her, and I wanted to be there for her, and whatever. But I think that kind of ended up enabling her, because she knew that she always had me to come pick her up physically or figuratively at the end of the day. And um, after this had gone on for a while, and I was getting pretty frustrated with it. I just wasn't seeing any improvement. Um, I just so clearly remember I was walking home from class one day and I walked past her dorm building and I saw police cars completely lining the building and I just knew. I knew she had done something so stupid and it was something that I couldn't fix. And a few hours later, I found out that uh, she was arrested with a variety of drug charges and um, in that moment, I just knew it was so clear that I was uh, trying to do God's job in fixing her. And my job was to be wise in that, in those situations, and to pray for her mm -hmm. and not to enable her and be, be the person who was And that's hard because it can seem uncaring, right? Exactly. It, yeah, it, I wanted is, to is, be there for is You can feel like when you're, like if I don't fix someone, I'm... Or fix this situation that I really don't care for them. And sometimes we never see down the line how actually we can make it worse. Yeah. And that's sort of being in tune to the Holy Spirit uh, in that. And so. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge lesson that I learned through that situation is, is where to let God do his job and where, what I'm required to do and what I need to allow him to do. Mm -hmm. Well, can't. I'm going to read something that's going to sort of embarrass you. That's okay. Okay. Is that okay? And uh, <laughs> so this is the thing about parents is because, like, I save things. And this was from... I'm nervous now. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is, I think, from when you were 12 or oh, 13 no. years old. <laughs> and uh, when it was hard... 
for you and when we moved here mm-hmm. is because oh, yeah. we uh, we left we, we pastored a very large church down in Southern California, huge youth ministries, everything. I mean, even Timberlake's large church, but even much much larger, and uh, and it was hard on you, but to help you see God in it mm-hmm. and. Uh, this is what you wrote. You said, it's almost been a year since I moved to California from Washington State, and lately I've been thinking about uh, uh, the change this move has brought. I miss San Diego a ton, but I've seen why God put me here. First of all, Sammamish is a lot different than Chula Vista. The culture here is very different as well. I haven't seen anyone greet each other with a kiss on both cheeks and the lip. I haven't seen any spinners since I've moved from California. <laughs> this year, I've uh, made new friends and lost, uh, lost some old friends. Heck, I've even lost some new ones. Last summer back in San Diego was great. This year in Washington, has been a lot different. I had to make all new friends. Church was good to make friends, especially our youth pastor. Most of the kids I hang out with here don't know God. They reject God. I think that God is one of the reasons God put me in Sammamish, and this brings up changes in church. Throughout my life, I've always had amazing pastors. I remember getting a new pastor who helped me in my relationship with Jesus. Because all of my friends were Christians, I didn't have any friends who uh, really to bring to church. Now I live in Washington, and I've had great opportunities to tell people about Christ. At church, we did a series uh, called School that helped me learn about how to bring people, uh, how to bring Jesus to school. Sure, kids uh, sometimes can uh, make fun or say even meaner things, but I've realized these kids have been treated poorly and uh, maybe even by other Christians. I think that's one reason God has put me here. People, uh, they made, uh, people made fun of Jesus too. They made fun of him, tortured him uh, to the point of death. They mocked him, whipped him, and dug a crown of thorns into his head and crucified him. But he did it to save us from our sins. Towards the beginning of the year, a girl at my school made fun of me all the time for being a Christian. Her parents didn't like Christians, and her brother was treated poorly by some at school. I asked her if she would come to our church uh, with me uh, so she could at least see what she was making fun of. She came and she loved it. Now, every week, she begs me for a ride to church because I've helped make a difference in someone's life. It doesn't seem uh, too bad anymore. I realize that the awesome things God has done in my life, and I want to continue to help him lead more people to Christ to spend eternity in heaven. And isn't that awesome? <laughs> and, that was uh, from the, the depths of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. That, that, uh, I actually stole that from her Facebook page. And so the, uh, uh, but I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you and how you. even at your church in Tampa, how you're leading youth ministry Thanks. and leading leading kids to Jesus. Thank you. And uh, all the things we did to mess you up, don't worry, God will fix. Yes. <laughs> Can we give her a hand? <laughs> all right. <Thank> you. <laughs> so you can see uh, why uh, I'm proud. And here's, here's the ultimate. I was thinking about that. Uh, I was even thinking about that point uh, when, and most of you have come to Timberlake, over 90% of you have come to Timberlake since then. So uh, Timberlake was a much, much smaller church back then. And uh, one service, one location. Um, and at times it was hard for me as a parent to see, how are we going to navigate this? Uh, because with your kids, there's nothing harder than when they're going through a difficult time. And it really, I say that, so on the other side of this, uh, nine or ten years later, is a final thought is to have faith in God to fix. And as you look at Christmas, 
Christmas is about God's ultimate plan to make those things that are wrong in the world right. That at a, at a point when there was hopelessness, at a point where people had not heard from God any sense of his presence for, for what felt like hundreds of years, that they had given up. And God made a promise actually years before that, and that promise was fulfilled, and over two billion people next week will celebrate God's fulfillment of this promise. And it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, for some of us, it's not us trying to control other people or fix everything and all the anxiety. It's about, God, will you be there for me? Will you, those things that are most broken in my life, can you come as, with your strength as a wonderful counselor, as the everlasting Father, as the Prince of Peace? And I think as we head into this next week, it's grasping that ultimate promise, fulfilled, and really ours to say, okay, God, you've already done the work. I, I, I just want in on that. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.